Daily Drive is brought to you by eBay Motors. Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Welcome to October, everyone. I'm Steve Smith with Automotive News, and this is Daily Drive. It seems as though it's almost every single day that our editorial team is reporting on the latest acquisition of an automotive dealership. Already in 2021, with a full quarter left in the year, the Automotive News Dealership Buy-Sell Database, which lists dealership acquisitions as reported by brokers, official announcements, and news media, includes nearly 200 entries for the calendar year. The last, as of today, was September 15th. Since, Asbury has announced its plan to buy Larry H. Miller dealerships for $3.2 billion. Cavender Auto Family has announced its acquisition of six luxury stores from David Alderson at Alderson Auto Group. And Sonic Automotive announced its intention to acquire RFJ Auto Partners in a $700 million deal that includes 33 stores. According to Farid Ahmed, founder of Dealer Solutions Mergers and Acquisitions, or DSMA, there are three key factors driving all of this M&A activity. One, dealer principals are getting older and some that only own a few rooftops see this as the best time to exit the business. Two, the amount of publicly traded and private equity capital coming into the industry. And three, Manufacturers looking to improve their dealer networks and their facilities, and that creating some pause among dealership principals who may be asking themselves if they want to continue in the business as the industry embraces electric vehicles and tries different kinds of business models. Ahmed believes we're going to see the most transactions ever done in the dealer space over the next five to ten years. What else does he forecast will happen as consolidation across the dealership landscape continues? What's his point of view on acquisition of businesses that complement traditional dealership business models? And what kind of influence might oil companies have on the automotive industry's push to EVs? And what does that mean for dealers? We've reached DSMA founder Fareed Ahmed at the company's global headquarters in Markham, Ontario, Canada. Fareed, thank you so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you, sir? Fantastic. How are you, sir? I am doing wonderful. I'm really excited about today's conversation. The M&A market in the auto dealership space is on fire, and I don't even think that's giving it justice. Why don't we start with, can you provide your point of view on what is driving consolidation in the dealer space? Okay. Over the last five years, I think um, everybody has seen the consolidation and the M&A activity in North America grow um, naturally. What's been driving that, quite honestly, is really three three key factors. Number one is the average age of a dealer today is touching that retirement age. So naturally, a lot of uh, dealers that have had one, two dealerships have now decided to um, exit from the industry. Number two is a lot of private equity money has come into this industry um, and publicly traded money. That's driven um, also a great amount of uh, M&A firms. And then finally, there's this 
manufacturer element where the manufacturers have been looking at their network, trying to improve their network and their facilities, which has also created the question in some dealers' minds, is this the industry that I want to continue in or do I diversify today? So I think three things have been driving that. But number one thing is the average age of a dealer today that owns and operates a dealer. You mentioned PEI, you mentioned publicly traded capital. Why are those types of folks interested in acquiring dealerships? Well, if anybody's followed the interest rates since um, since the beginning of uh, 2010, really, uh, historical low interest rates. So people are looking for safe, safest havens to get a better return on their investment. And quite honestly, the automotive industry is one of the, uh, the best places to get a great return on your capital. It um, always has been, but it's become more prevalent because other industries have not done so well. So I think the interest rate and return on investment has brought a lot more eyes on our industry. And because of that, and because of the success of some of these uh, private equity firms and publicly traded firms, um, it's attracted even more interest. And I think, so it's really related to interest rates and return on investment. Let's talk about what we've seen in 2021. Lots of lots of deals announced. How does activity in Q3 of this year compare to Q3 maybe last year? Certainly could be an anomaly because of COVID or maybe even Q3 uh, 2019. How, how does that compare? Well, remember, there's normally a six to eight month lag when it comes to transactions. So whatever you hear today uh, or whatever is posted on Automotive News, that transaction that closed um, started six, eight, 12 months ago. So really it's, it's, a, it's where the bubble was. And the bubble hit um, in 2020 because again, it was that what I call the perfect storm. Uh, more private money coming into the industry the average dealer looking at making an exit strategy, and then COVID, the impact on COVID. You know, dealers are extremely resilient people. They've been through uh, economical turmoils. Um, This most probably for some was just the last straw. This was the one that said, you know what? Now I'm out. So it was a combination of things that have driven it over a year ago. But because of that, the momentum has increased and we predict in quarter four that it's going to be you're going to hear about even more transactions um, that have closed. So looking ahead, and you certainly, I would imagine, have a view of the pipeline or at least some piece of the pipeline that is not publicly available yet, has not been announced publicly. What do you expect in Q4 and maybe even early into 2022? Well, I can only talk about Dealer Solutions M&A. Um, I'll give you some comparables. Last year, at the end of 2020, um, we closed on, in North America, 34 transactions. This year, we are fast approaching 70 transactions. So if that gives you any indication, uh, again, I think this momentum is picking up and it's going to remain now in place, I would say, for the next five to 10 years is where you're going to see and hear about the most transactions in our history. 
that long of a of a i mean we're that you think that cycle this cycle is going to last another five to ten years that's that's a pretty long time isn't it the average number of transactions that are happening annually are touching around 500 transactions which is a, a huge number typically you'd always see it in the low twos but I think you're going to see it getting up to 500. And remember, between Canada and the United States, there is uh, 12,500 remaining single rooftop dealers or dealers that own less than three dealerships. When you're looking at 12,000 and you also factor in the age category, um, I think 500 is low compared to what's going to actually come our way. I think you're going to see that hit in three years, a thousand transactions a year. Very bullish outlook indeed. You mentioned manufacturers as one of the three reasons that are driving this consolidation, certainly age of uh, some of these dealer principles as well. I'm curious, those two things combined in the industry's push to EVs, is that a factor that's perhaps driving smaller dealerships to want to exit right now? And and some of the investments that some of these OEMs are asking uh, into dealer facilities to support electric vehicles? <laughs> Another great question, Steve. You know, I think um, EV is one of the factors, I, I do believe. Um, you know, technology has evolved and evolved. I remember back 20 years ago when people said that the internet was going to revolutionize how people buy cars. And if you really think about it, we've really only just moved closer to that in the last 20 years. Well, I think that's what EVs done. EVs scared some people or said to some people, you know what, the gig may be up. What's going to happen to service and parts business if we really make this surge towards EV? But you've got to remember that this in, in itself is also going to be a trans, a slower transition from gas engines to EVs. I mean, there's a lot that has to still be resolved um, with the manufacturer to make that transition to full-blown EV. So I still think, yes, EV has us had an impact. It's a really interesting talking point with most of the dealers that we sit down and talk about, and they all want to know where's the industry going with this EV. I don't have a crystal ball. All I can tell you is whatever's going to happen, it's not going to be as rapid as the media would like to make it out to be. Yeah, it's at least another five years before we start seeing these vehicles coming off lines at scale, their infrastructure, you know, consumer sentiment, consumer uh, desire to buy these things. There are certainly, as you point out, a lot of unknowns. And I would suspect even that uncertainty is an underlying reason why, as you say, a dealer at this point, and if that, that they're in the sunset of their careers, might just throw their hands up and said, I'm uncertain about the future, so I'm out. Sure, and also you also got to think about the factor of these oil-producing companies. Right now, the, uh, the price of oil is high, but if they start losing more and more market share to electric vehicles, um, I could certainly see a stage where they start driving the price of oil down to compete with EVs because they're not going to walk away off into the sunset from, what, a trillion, $2 trillion industry uh, because of electric vehicles. So I think there's a, still a lot uh, that we're going to see and observe over the next five years. We'll be right back with more. 
The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online. But you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every 3 minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory, sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. We've talked about money coming into the acquisition, private equity, public capital. I'm curious, are you seeing increased interest from non-dealer businesses that might be interested in acquiring a dealership. One specific case, there is a cloud-based DMS provider that is entering the marketplace, and they actually bought a dealership in, in large part to test their solution. Are you seeing any trends, anything interesting in that regard? Um, yeah, I think, but they're, they're quite honestly on the fringes of our industry. There's always going to be these fringe strategies, as I call it. I think we all need to stay focused on the core element of our business, you know. Um, uh, but do I see people coming in and trying new ideas or bringing in money from other industries? Yeah. You know, if there's a good return in this industry, I think if there's businesses out there sitting on a lot of cash, they're going to want to look at deploying it. But are they going to be in it for long term? Um, that's the question, right? Look, what happens if the interest rate? I mean, we heard that the feds this week are looking about next year, bringing the interest rate slowly back up again. Well, will that money run away from the industry once the uh, the banks normalize? So, I, 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 again, I always call that the fringe, not the core element of the industry that I know and love. So sticking with fringe, are you seeing dealers acquire non-dealership businesses that are adjacent to their core competencies are complementary to their core competencies as many of them try to really deliver these end-to-end -end customer experiences yeah so for example here in canada one of the the only publicly traded companies their strategy has really uh, diverted to uh, acquiring solid used car operations and getting very much into the used car business also, we have other organizations that have splintered off into the body shop world. So, yeah, there will always be uh, those avenues. There are limited avenues, by the way, that um, somebody that um, could diversify from the automotive industry unless they got up 100%. But again, I would put those categories 
in in the word that I use fringe. It, it's a fringe element more than anything else, but not a dramatic shift from selling new cars to selling parts wholesale. No. I want to spend a minute talking about valuations on the OEM side. It's maybe a little cliche at this point, but you hear often conversation of the traditional OEMs, the the incumbents and the valuations they have versus some of the newer startups, right? Rivian just announced it's going to try to go an IPO, announced its valuation, certainly the stock price of Tesla, et cetera. Big shift when you compare that to the Fords, the GMs of the world. I'm curious, do you, what's your point of view or what do you think about the valuations that are being given to some of these big dealer acquisitions that we're hearing about quite regularly? Hmm. Um, I think the larger the the transaction, the larger the weight is on future opportunity with those assets and return on capital. But we deal most, 90, 85% of our business is really with what I call the mom and pop businesses where they are looking at the best value that they can get for their um, uh, their asset. I mean, Dealer Solutions, I think this year alone, we will have valued about just under 400 car dealers in North America. Um, and it's a really hot subject right now. What's happening to the value of my business? Whether it's large or small, we're working with a group right now that has 15 rooftops that are looking to exit out of their industry. Um, and, and they look at the same thing. What's the value of my franchise? So let's close with a look ahead. The chip shortage has devastated new vehicle inventories for the balance of this year. Um, I'm curious, as new inventory levels recover in Q2, Q3 of next year, do you think that's going to Im- have an impact on either the valuations of these deals or the number of deals that happen? Yeah, so... Um, it was interesting. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening currently in 2021. You know, we do a lot of evaluations on dealers and a lot of dealers would love to take advantage of their massive growth in 2021. But from the buyer's perspective, they understand that a lot of that's driven, that growth, that profitability increase has been driven by the chip shortage. So really what's happened for 2021 when it comes to valuations is this fiscal year is almost being neutralized. It's it's uh, on our weighted average, we're really giving it a zero. Um, the chip shortage is having a massive impact on dealers, but what, even though there are a lot of dealers making a lot of money this year, what we don't know is what is gonna be the supply for delivering of these vehicles in the end of third quarter and for the fourth quarter of this year. Um, it looks like, from where we think we're hearing, there's going to be a massive shortage of vehicles, even though the order banks are going to be high. So that means there's most probably going to be a lot of red ink on dealer statements in the fourth quarter. Um, now, I saw Biden was stepping up and saying, you know, the government's got to get involved. This is a wartime situation on the chips. And if they can impact that and do something about it. That will certainly bring back some normality to the retail business. So going to answer your original question, what's, how is it going to impact the value? I think I don't have a crystal ball, to be quite honest with you, Steve. I think it's how quickly can the, the dealership get back to normality and normal um, supplies of inventories and deliveries? And how is that going to impact the gross of those new vehicles? And what impact is it going to have on the used car value? Um, So I think there's still so many anomalies that 
I, I can't predict or don't know. I think I'd be better off answering that question at the tail end of quarter two of 2022. Well, you have it. I'll bring you back in the Q2 of next year, and let's ask that same question. Maybe we'll even replay this answer as part of that episode, and uh, we'll take a look back. Maybe we'll have a conversation on today versus then, and uh, I think that'll be an interesting talk. Yeah, thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it. Any questions you ever have, um, we're always available to, uh, to answer any questions. Appreciate you taking time and sharing your perspectives today. Have a great, uh, Have a great day, and thanks for your time. Thanks, Steve. Have a great one. That's Daily Drive for Friday, October 1st. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash Daily Drive. As always, thanks for listening. Have a terrific weekend. We'll be back on Monday.